invite Nathan Newman up this morning, a pastoral intern here at McLean, who'll be preaching uh, the word to us this morning. And uh, before he does, I want you to get to know him a little bit. So Nathan, tell us, uh, where are you from? I'm from Huntsville, Alabama. Okay, and tell us when you arrived in D.C. Uh, In January, I was taking a class at RTS and uh, was living in Birmingham at the time, but was uh, engaged to uh, my fiance, and we're now married, but moved up here and started going to RTS uh, in February after I got this job. Okay, and how long have you been married? Three months. Three months. On Friday. Yeah. Okay. Three months going strong. Still That's going right. Strong. Going strong, Jessica? Okay. Going strong. Um, and uh, tell us what you do here at the church. What are your... So I... Uh, you, you know the thing at the bottom of your job description that usually says other duties as assigned, that is at the top of my <laughs> job description. So... Um, work with Harvest mainly, our young adult ministry, but also in partnering with uh, the bridge between our student ministry and college. So hopefully you'll know that we've visited a lot of your students uh, in the past couple months as well. Yeah. We've really been making an effort to connect with our college students. We're, we're taking a road trip in the fall and in the spring to various schools throughout Virginia. And Nathan is the guy that you have to thank for that. He coordinates and, and organizes all of that. Um, last question. How great is your boss? He is... <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Excellent. In that case, let's continue. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank you, James. Um, my wife, uh, Jessica, told me to be bright, be brief, and be gone. So I'll do my best this morning. But uh, our grandfather, uh, when he's told to preach a homily, usually preaches for about 30 or 40 minutes. So we'll see how we can uh, fit that in. Uh, We're going to talk this morning about what does it mean to be grateful, to be thankful. Uh, Thanksgiving is one holiday that no one debates. Uh, Columbus Day, eh, Christmas, now it's not politically correct, it's it's the holidays. But Thanksgiving is unique. It's it's really peculiar if you think about it. It's celebrated by Christians and non-Christians alike. You're encouraged to be Uh, grateful, to be thankful, but we don't always specify to whom that thanks should be given. Whatever the circumstance, uh, most people in this country today will be celebrating something. Uh, I made the mistake this week of asking Rosie at work if uh, she and James and the family were sad to to be here for the holidays and, and missing Thanksgiving back home. Of course, in Scotland, where they don't celebrate Thanksgiving, they didn't really grow up uh, celebrating that, so that's really why James is letting me preach uh, this morning. Uh, Rosie told me they instead celebrate Boxing Day, which immediately brought to my mind Black Friday. Now, of course, Boxing Day has nothing to do with our Black Friday, but I'm picturing, you know, boxing gloves. I had to get to the root of what actually Boxing Day meant. But you can just imagine uh, tomorrow morning, uh, our own Boxing Day, and, and I read this in the Washington Post this week. It said, Black Friday, when people trample others for cheap goods mere hours after being thankful for what they already have. <laughs> so what is true faithfulness? Um, we're going to read a story this morning. If you have your Bibles, uh, open it to page 876 in the Pew Bible in front of you. It's Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along 
between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, would you give us a few clues from Luke's story this morning that will help us be truly thankful this Thanksgiving? Amen. Now, this was an actual event. It's, it's not a parable. Uh, I think it reflects something of our human nature, especially our nature of giving thanks. So very practically, I think Luke's story gives us three implications. Uh, number one, to be thankful is first to recognize the greatness of our sin and need for God's mercy. Look at verses 11 through 13. It says, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. Leprosy, of course, we know was a contagious disease. They were ostracized from their community and treated like the walking dead. And it wasn't the physicality of the disease that was the worst part, but the psychological impact of being separated from their community, being ostracized. They constantly had to shout out and make a fuss, as we see in this story, to let people know where they were so that they could go out of their way to avoid them. They were ritually unclean, which we can read about in Leviticus 14, which is why they had to be outside of the city. And from a safe distance, we see that they cry out, Jesus, have mercy on us. When we go out, uh, this afternoon, uh, we've got a lot of things to face. You've got to cook a meal and maybe do some homework, read a book, watch some football. We're driving about eight hours to go visit my family. But h- how can we think in those moment, moments to be reliant on God and his mercy? We recognize the greatness of our sin, and, and we say we want to walk by faith, but how can we live like that in the next three to four hours of the day. And the answer is that we have to think and to know that Jesus died and secured for me the absolute certainty of the fulfillment of a promise. And I will hold on to that promise believing that it will come true to me. And, and what is that promise, you might ask? There are hundreds of promises in the Bible that you can hold on to, and we can take Luke 17 for starters, that even though we have great sin, Jesus has great mercy. Sometimes we're caught up in our present blessings that we don't take the time to sit and recognize the greatness of our sin and need for God's mercy. I know sometimes I do. 
Uh, Tim Keller has a great picture of this reality. He says it's not that we are poor in spirit, but we're more middle class in spirit. And what does he mean by that? To be poor in spirit means seeing that we have, we're deeply in debt before God and we have no ability to begin to redeem ourselves. And and Keller writes, on the contrary, we believe that God owes us some things. He ought to answer our prayers and to bless us for the many things that we've done. Even though the Bible doesn't use the term by inference, we can say that we are middle class in spirit. We feel that we've earned a certain standing with God through our hard work. We also may believe that the success and the resources we have are primarily due to our own industry and energy. Do you see what he's getting at there? He's making the point that to be truly thankful, we have to first recognize that we are poor in spirit and in need of God's mercy. Apparently, Jesus didn't see the ten lepers at first. He heard them. And an interesting thing happens next. Jesus doesn't say to the lepers, you are healed, or touch them as he does in some of his previous miracles. Rather, he says to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Now, the priests of that day functioned as the purity inspectors, the health inspectors of the people. And so there were peculiar processes, as I mentioned in Leviticus 14, that you can read about to finally get cleared to be back in your community. And so we see that the ten had nothing to lose and everything to gain. And so they set off. And as they went, verse 14 says, they were cleansed. A mass healing takes place. They didn't have any mirrors, but you can just imagine as they're walking to the temple that their skin was transformed and they marveled as they looked what their eyes beheld. And what does the one leper do in response? He turns back. And that leads me to my second point, which is to be thankful is to turn back when you see God's grace, praising him with a loud voice. Only one of the lepers comes back. However, what distinguishes him from the nine is not his thankfulness or their lack of thankfulness. Rather, it's seeing versus not seeing. Surely all all ten were healed, and they saw that they were healed. But this one saw something that the other nine didn't see. What he saw in his healing, made him go in a different direction that the other nine didn't go. And what did he see? Grace. For the nine, God is not the center of their gratitude. Only the one gave praise to God. The others were thankful, but so earthbound, so middle class in spirit, that they missed the greatest possible moment in their lives. God's grace. For those with eyes to see, God's grace is all around us. And as we give thanks for it, we see it even more and more and are moved to worship. That's why we see him praising him with a loud voice. That's the overflow of our hearts. It's amazing how simple a word of thankfulness opens us up to a world of mercy and worship and grace. 
It may seem like a small thing, seeing and thanking, but it's the first step to setting in motion a cycle of gratitude and grace. And thirdly, to be thankful is to live in such a way that you show the glory of God's grace falling on your face before Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Thankfulness, we get that. That was an appropriate response. Praise, we understand that. The surprise in this passage is that this man now is introduced to us as a Samaritan. He falls at the feet of Jesus. Why? Because he recognized that not only is God worthy of praise, but the fitting location to offer such praise is at the feet of Jesus. The Samaritan turns back and says, it isn't the temple that I need, it's Jesus. It isn't the gift, but the giver. Unless you see this grace, you'll never fall at the feet of Jesus. The leper recognizes the identity of Christ, and he's a Samaritan. So far in the story, none of this would have shocked the listener until you see Jesus drops the bomb and says, now he was a Samaritan. He isn't the one Jesus' listeners would have expected would come back and do this. The foreigner is the one with the faith. The Samaritan turns back to say thank you. He knows he's been given a gift and can't help but turn back to say something to Jesus. In doing so, he's given a second and even greater gift. He leaves his encounter with Jesus not only healed, but saved. Look at the close of this account in verse 19. And it says, He said to them, said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has healed you. Literally what that means in the Greek is your faith has saved you. You can trust me. I've taken one year of Greek. Um, No, but really, that that is a pretty common assertion by uh, the commentators that it is implied in that word that the Samaritan is the only one who has saving faith. And this has profound implications for us because it shows us that Jesus is more concerned for just our physical healing, but also our spiritual healing as well. The Samaritan leper, his gratitude moves him to praise God, and this was a sign of his saving faith. It's true that where there is true faith, there are profoundly thankful hearts. Um, My Dutch grandfather loves the Heidelberg Catechism, and there's a great devotional warmth to its teachings, and I think question two really sums this story up well. And it says this, How many things are necessary for you to know that in this comfort you may live and die happily? Three things. First, the greatness of my sin and misery. Second, how I'm redeemed from all my sins and misery. And third, how I'm to be thankful to God for such redemption. The only appropriate response for those bought with so great a price is thankfulness. It's a turning back from the way that we are going and laying down at the feet of Jesus. Will you be like the one or be like the nine this morning and today?
we, I invite us to, to cry out to God that he would enable us first to recognize the greatness of our sin and need for God's mercy. Second, to see God's grace, praising him with a loud voice. And lastly, to live in such a way that we show the glory of God's grace falling on our face before Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Praise God for what he has done in Christ Jesus. And let us fall on our face before Jesus as we pray together and give him thanks. Let's pray. God, our hearts are filled with thankfulness. We pray that we would be like the Samaritan, the foreigner. Through his fullness of faith, he turns back because he sees your grace, the saving reality of your son Jesus, at whose feet he falls in worship. Lord, we do recognize the greatness of our sin and great need of your mercy. We thank you for providing that mercy, providing that healing, providing that salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.